0: Welcome to Sparking Sparks, a podcast for anyone wanting a little dose of positivity and inspiration in their lives. My name is Magdalene, and this is where I chat with inspirational people, Sparking Sparks, in STEM, entrepreneurship, the arts, advocacy, and so much more.
1: I think if there's one thing you can live by, one thing you can have a little bit more of in life is audacity.
0: Oh, Audacity,
1: I think. Just a little bit each day, just, just nice. one just one more thing.
0: <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to the first official episode of Sparking Sparks. Today I'm here with a very special guest, Jaehoon Wan, one of my closest friends. So Jaehoon, do you want to give a little introduction to yourself?
1: With pleasure. It's good to be here Magdalene. My name is Jaehoon, I'm entering my sixth year and final year at the University of Otago. I study law and politics, but I also like to spend my time meeting new people, exploring new outputs, and yeah, just seeing what's going on around the world. It's a pleasure being here.
0: So, you want to tell us a little bit more about what sorts of advocacy work you've done so far?
1: I'm sure. I guess it mainly started when I was in high school. There was was these events around being organised by an organisation called UN Youth New Zealand, United Nations Youth New Zealand, and it's one of the biggest... Youth for Youth Charitable Education Organizations in New Zealand, actually. And they're holding these events, like, they're called Model UNs. So what Model UN is, is basically where students go representing a country and their country's interests and their country's positions on, like, various given international topics. So, for example, it could be, like, human trafficking, or it could be something like climate change. Just something that's very current and very relevant going on in the world. The kind of stuff that you wouldn't be able to focus much on in the classroom actually. Yep, definitely. So you go you go in, you kind of do research on your country's position that you're given, and then you get a chance to kind of like present that country's position debate and kind of have a real good like time in a forum with like other students who are likewise interested. It's a really good chance to like learn more about current issues going on around the world, and it's also a really good chance to develop your own skills as well especially in public speaking, like working with others, critical thinking, just a lot of the good stuff that you aren't able to do in school as much. Right. So,
0: so like learning a lot about soft skills, personal definitely, development.
1: Yep, definitely, the soft skills come in real handy in these events and you get to use them a lot. You get kind of thrust in the deep end mm-hmm. sometimes and you really have to figure out how to stand up for yourself. And so it was a, re- it was a really good time for developing those kinds of things, meeting new people who were likewise really passionate and really outstanding in their own areas as well and making some really really great friendships along the way as well
0: actually do you have to do debating in model un
1: definitely not okay because like
0: i've never done model un but for some reason in my mind i i've always seen it as being like it's it's debating yeah you're representing a mm. country you're debating you do a lot of research about it
1: so So debating is a part of it right but likewise with the real world there's a whole lot more that goes to these kinds of things than just the debating parts mm-hmm. so there's a lot of working together that you have to do a lot of like kind of negotiating that's even more important than the debating part right. itself of the debating parts interesting actually okay. it's like a it's like one of those stereotypes that you find with like man kids yeah. that you can see on the internet sometimes. <laughs> one of those real preppy dress up in a suit too often kind of yeah. real like debating kind of type that always sort say like, like yeah I'm the best kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Stereotypes, of course. Yeah. But like in re- I mean, even though that's based off fact to an extent, but there's actually so much more that goes into right. it. A lot of a lot of real more nuanced kind of stuff that goes beyond the real. Whole yelling at each other across the debating floor kind of idea. It's something, I mean, it can be intimidating for those who aren't the most confident with public speaking, especially with the debating stereotype. Right. But yeah, if you do get the opportunity, the experience is a real good one for developing mm. a wide variety of soft skills, yeah. not just debating.
0: And I think that even if you are afraid of public speaking or you think that you aren't good at public speaking or debating, even if you're an introvert, I do think that just like putting in the effort to just try it out it really pays off because who knows you might really enjoy it
1: it really does (laughs) and it really helped me bring me out of my shell Mm -hmm. as well to be honest because i was quite i i mean i am still quite introverted Mm -hmm. to be honest as well but going to these events having like being surrounded by like these awesome people made me want to try and go out of my shell more kind of reach out of my comfort zone more often and definitely so, relate to yeah, that. it was these kinds of things like these kinds of great experiences memories, skills I've learned people I've met that and that wanted me to like kind of be more involved in this kind of sphere to help others like other students who were like me to you know discover this what it is and have great experiences of their own because you do really learn a lot about yourself a lot about what you are capable of and also a lot about the world that's around us right. as well so there's I guess UN Youth was kind of like the first big advocacy kind of thing I got involved in when I was kind of going through my high school later on, uni years as Mm, well.
0: Right, so you enjoyed this so much in high school that you went on to becoming the regional president of it.
1: Well, I mean, there was a a bit of a journey in between as well.
0: Do you want to get into that journey?
1: (laughs) I mean, like, I mean, like, you don't go straight from being like a participant at these kinds of events <laughs> and going straight to going straight to president okay. next. No, you
0: persevere. You enjoyed the journey. Well, right? I
1: you, you do enjoy the journey, like you do. Look, Wait, just, hold on.
0: How many years passed uh, from when you were a participant to being like so? You, president? I mean,
1: like, you can you can participate like you generally participate until the end of high school, but right. there are uni there are uni student oriented events that you can do. But once you become a uni student, mm-hmm. there's a lot more opportunities to help organize these events right. for high school students right. more. On so there is that kind of arbitrary divide between high school and university. So I kind of, so I finished high school in 2015 and mm-hmm. then I, and then from, from when I started uni in 2016 onwards, I started like volunteering to help like run and help organize these events for high school students more. And in 2017, I got a chance to join the organising committee. So we call it the we call it the regional council, right? The Otago Regional Council, one of four in New Zealand, uh, for as part of the main organisation, Auckland, Only four. Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, and Dunedin, kind of take okay. kind of take care of the main regions around those areas. And so I got a chance to be like just a general member on right. the committee. It meant like I had good insight into like what. I mean what we did as an organization and especially in terms of like logistics, organizing events, budgeting, preparing educational material like based on the current events that Mm -hmm. are going around Mm -hmm. the world at the time. It was a good time. And we had a really good team of awesome people as well. And so after after my stint as general general member like a part of the general committee yeah i had a chance to go for president for next right. year in 2018.
0: was it something that you had planned on running for or was it like somebody nudged you and encouraged um, you to apply for this position?
1: Was, it was definitely not something i'd planned on right like i i wasn't very confident mm-hmm. in my leadership to be honest and i'm still not but but like i know these kinds of these kinds of opportunities came and went, i guess yeah and it did yeah it was more nudging nudging by people being like oh maybe you should give this a try and i kind of considered it and yeah i i went for it i guess nice i mean one of the people that were well, one of the people i talked to quite a lot about this was my older sister right actually my older sister she was the one who kind of like Brought me into this world in the first place because before I started (laughs) getting involved in high school She was already involved Mm -hmm. Like I saw her I saw her participating and I saw having Really great times and making great friends and memories and stuff and I was like, maybe that's something I want to try as also This all this advocacy stuff started from me looking at my sister like that so I got to talk to her quite a bit about like how her experiences was and what she was doing because by this time my sister had already been the president for the target for this Otago regional council mm-hmm. um, a couple of years back and so I could just talk to her and right. see if this was something I wanted to do or not.
0: Yeah, I think these kinds of positive influences from your family members are so important because they really help to like shape your, your path Definitely. in a way and give you inspiration. Definitely. So what would you say were some of your most difficult challenges that you had? during your term as president
1: um because
0: like from what I remember you also had another leadership role the same year
1: right? yeah 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 okay. so I, so I was running so I was running um, the Otago Regional Council for UN youth alongside this other club called the overseas Christian Fellowship yeah.
0: okay which maybe we'll get we we'll, we'll get into the OCF part later the yep. overseas Christian fellowship part later we can go back to the model UN yeah and you can explain whatever challenges you experienced or what highlights you had during your term. Highlights as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. I think, but I think the highlight and one of the like the most consistent highlights of all these things is the people, mm-hmm. the people you get to meet. It's like the people you get to like interact and become friends with. Everyone has their own story, and it's always so fascinating to hear what inspires everyone, where yeah. they came from, what they're wanting to do, and what they're doing to get there. It's all really inspiring stuff to exactly. hear. To hear other people's stories and stuff and. That was something I really enjoyed doing. It's something I got a lot a lot of chances to do in my role as well, thankfully, just being mm-hmm. able to get out there and meet a lot of people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though it was tiring as well, because I'm not necessarily the, the most extroverted of people, I still really found myself enjoying it despite the tiredness. I guess that came with its own challenges as well. Just being able to balance, I think balancing everything, like balancing my own my own energy levels with mm-hmm. this and the other club and everything else I was doing in my life was really right. difficult. And that kind of like cor- that kind of like contributed to like other challenges I had as well in terms of like being able to like make good decisions when necessary and like being able, to, being able to like make the hard decisions as well.
0: Right. We had
1: some real like on the fence kind of situations where it, it was like 50, way or another. And Sometimes I took a bit long in figuring out what the best thing to do was for the for the particular situation and we came across some really challenging times Actually thankful, thankfully like things ended up. Okay. We were able to like run events quite well Mm -hmm. At the time, but it was definitely a challenging journey there Um, No, I definitely learned some lessons (laughs) and in Mm decision-making and trying to be more firm, I guess rather than indecisive
0: Right, Mm. I see and how about highlights
1: highlights other than the people um i think man yeah the people was a real highlight the other highlight i would consider was probably just how much i learned myself as well like and like the things the things i began to see in myself and began to want to develop in myself at this point i had been doing like a lot of like volunteering advocacy work for we will but kind of entering that sort of leadership role made me realize how much more I could learn, how much more I could try and do differently and how much, you yeah, know, how much more there was out there. So I was really grateful for that. And yeah, although I've like, I sort of left the organization since then, I've been trying to do different things since then. And it's been a real journey.
0: I um, love that. I love that. I love how it's all about just embracing all these new experiences that come along your way yeah. and just having fun, just learning. Yeah throughout the whole process. So yeah, thank you for sharing about your UN Youth time. No, it's
1: not a problem.
0: <laughs> now we can talk about OCF, Overseas yeah. Christian Fellowship. So
1: the Christian Fellowship was an organization that I was running at the same time as I was president of the mm-hmm. Otago Regional Council for UN Youth. And it was I wasn't really expecting to be president of that one either to be honest. <laughs> what what happened? I joined at the start of twenty seventeen like when in my second year of university just yeah. because i was looking i was looking for like an a, commu- a community in, in a sense because um i was at this point in my christian faith at the time i was i was quite stagnant in, mm-hmm. in my faith like i was mm-hmm. i was like sort of asking myself a lot of questions i was not very convinced of my own faith at the time to be honest and Part of that reasoning was I guess the church environment I was in at the time wasn't very nourishing, not very very nurturing for that. Right, okay, yeah. okay. Which I can explain more later, but it led me wanting to find a different community. And
0: right.
1: and so my girlfriend at the time she introduced me to the Overseas Christian Fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. And so me and so my girlfriend and I started going, we started yeah, having like the people, like most importantly the people there were like really nice and really fantastic to get along with and i had some really good times like i learned a lot as well kind of just enjoyed doing like enjoyed doing life i guess as mm. you can say with the people in that fellowship and so I, I really enjoyed it and then one time the staff worker so the so the work so like the person who kind of helps look after the fellowship his name is simon he he comes up to me one day and he's like would you would you consider being president for the organization i was kind of like whoa i haven't been part of it for that long but like you won't. like they had they had heard about how they had heard about like the other work i was doing for you and youth and stuff and they're like oh we think you we think you could be using your skills in this way for for international students and stuff and it was like and so and so i took i took it on I, i i i was thankful for the opportunity i took it on and that began i guess a journey into what now is the real passion i have for international students and like working with people from different cultures and stuff and like learning you know learning more about different people's stories and stuff as i was mentioning before you know
0: That's, what that makes me think that you know as long as we we work hard and we try our best in everything people around us can observe and they can see and there will always always be new opportunities for us to take on, and for more chances for us to grow.
1: I like how you say that because not only like I mean I mean the hard work and the perseverance is important, yeah. but it's also what's around us that exactly. will help us grow. Like exactly. whether it's the, whether it's the people, whether it's the opportunities available. Yes. It's not it's not just the hard work that's yeah. important.
0: People are really important. The whole community and everything.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: <laughs> so. And the Overseas Christian Fellowship, mm-hmm. the members are predominantly Malaysian, right?
1: At a at- yeah. So, when I joined, they were predominantly Malaysian, right? Yeah, and that's just that's just like the group tends to like kind of shrink and expand quite mm-hmm. naturally, and the demographics change quite naturally as well, depending on which international students come to Otago University, right? At the time, so at the time I came, there was a quite a significant cohort of people who came from. IMU, Soviet International Medical University yeah. in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So they send so IMU, they call it. They send a cohort of students to New Zealand every year, although not so much these days for obvious reasons. <laughs> but yeah. they, so in the past, they send a cohort of quite a number of students in like the health science disciplines, from yeah. dentistry to pharmacy and in between. And so there's, a, there's like a group of group of IMU students who who came together and joined the Overseas Christian Fellowship just before I joined. So, yeah, at the time, there was a significant proportion of Malaysian students. And that seemed, that persisted as, like, you know, you word of mouth spreads around about our, our group and like right. people come along, like, right. their friends bring their friends yeah. along. And that's, there was a significant Malaysian community, demographic yeah. and community in the Overseas Christian Fellowship. Yeah. So that was your,
0: would you say that was your your first chance mingling with like Malaysian international students? It was
1: one of the first and one of the most significant um I so I can think of I mean yeah so I can think of three significant interactions. (laughs) One was the international students at the Overseas Christian Fellowship. The other one was um my law classmates Mm -hmm. so I had a couple of Malaysian classmates that I was pretty good friends with and yeah very they were quite kind and they introduced me to like laksa and like (laughs) malaysian food yes all
0: the malaysian food food like
1: that and um and also the law students like they they were able to talk to me about like what was going on in malaysia in terms of like the political situation (laughs) that was something i found fascinating as well and the final thing was within you and youth actually when i was like running the organization and like helping out at events and stuff it Mm -hmm. was there was one friend, one friend who came and like helped out at an event one time, her name is Isabel, and she she came and helped out. We had a good time and right. like got to like hear her story about what she was doing because she was from IMU as mm-hmm. well actually, mm-hmm. but she was here as a pharmacy student. But she was here involved with something you'd consider typically more humanities oriented right. in terms of like the UN in terms of the UN youth stereotypes and stuff. So it was <laughs> yeah. really fascinating be like oh what are you doing here and like oh what's your story and stuff and we had some really good conversations Isabel's still a good friend of mine yeah. now even though she doesn't live in Dunedin anymore mm-hmm. um so yeah those were probably like the three most significant interactions with Malaysians I had back then which kind of led to I guess a somewhat unnatural
0: unnatural and, oh I don't know
1: <laughs> I don't know per- perhaps an interesting amount of involvement with um the malaysian right. community at otago
0: nice let's, let's get into that because since then that kind of sparked your your little journey into getting involved with the whole otago malaysian students association yes. right so you got involved with Mala malaysia the yes. the annual production held yes. by the club yep um so yeah do you want to talk about your yeah so experience
1: i mean i wasn't really intending on becoming really involved in Malaysian <laughs> the malaysian community but it's sort of ended up that way somehow they so, adopted
0: you no we adopted you oh,
1: i'm very <laughs> grateful for it i'm very grateful for it so what happened was i mean like i had those i had like malaysian friends and stuff obviously yeah. through the interactions i was mentioning before but it wasn't until mid 2018 when the production the mala malaysia production that year was coming up and my friend my friend polo contacted mm, me asking uh-huh. if i would like to be involved in hopping out so my friend polo she was involved in the organizing community as the music director. Mm-hmm. So she was organizing the musical numbers, the instruments, mm. the players, that sort of music stuff for the production itself. And she she and I go back since high school. So we've been friends since high school days. And so she knew that I was passionate about music, that I could play music and stuff. Right. And she knew what I could do. So she... She contacted me and asked if I was keen to get involved in the band for the production because I, t- I we had talked about it before and I said oh it mm-hmm. could be fun it could be interesting to do, and so she contacted me asking if I'd be keen to get involved and I was like yeah why not let's do it and <laughs> nice
0: so it's all about taking on the opportunity taking
1: on the opportunity. <laughs> it was and I had so I had a great I had a great time like meeting meeting so many different people and like it was like at the time i wasn't that familiar with malaysian culture as well so like i was like kind of i was kind of like a sponge in a way just like (laughs) absorbing so much so much about like what made malaysia malaysia and like i was being i was able to like kind of feedback off my other malaysian Mm -hmm. friends like my law classmates and isabel for example yeah and like viewers Theres this whole Malaysian feedback loop in a sense, <laughs> like in terms of my involvement and right. yeah so and so i made I made great friends at the time, and I had a really good time and after after the production ended, very they had started looking for people to help organize the next year's one mm-hmm. and once again i kind of got nudged for it um <laughs> we're like oh you should do it you should do it like you know you like we say that and within the within the group as a joke sometimes right. We're like oh you should do it and you're
0: like oh i don't know and I don't deep know. down you know you know you want it well deep, deep
1: down you're it's like oh should i shouldn't i like i mean i was still a student at the times so i was like oh maybe i should focus on my studies some all students exactly exactly but so i ended up I ended up taking on the organizing mm-hmm. role for the next year and right. being part of the being part of the organizing committee in that. And through that I guess I like, spent a lot more time with Malaysians and got really involved in um, yeah, got really involved in like the whole kind of um, Malaysian Students Association. So right. I started going to more events, making more friends, meeting more people including you. <laughs> including yeah. you. And yeah, it sort of bloomed from bloomed from there, I guess, into this weird level of involvement with the with the Malaysian community, nice. even now, like my current flat, like I'm currently sharing a house <laughs> with five other Malaysians, yeah. and I'm the only non-Malaysian there. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, it was quite natural as well. It's just like oh yeah, like just a group of us friends were just like oh we need a place to stay next year, and the kind of you went on from vibe, there. yeah. They're just vibes. Oh. Mm-hmm. I mean, like. I mean, like, I still feel like an outsider because I always will be an outsider. But right. I have been very grateful for how welcoming you guys have been, well <laughs> as a as a collective, <laughs> yeah, as well. Nice. No, it's, it's been it's been very it's been very influential, I guess, on my on my time here.
0: All right. So you were the music director Correct. for Malang Malaysia in 2019. Yes. That's also when I met you because I was on the committee. Yeah. As the promotional director, doing all the Doing all the camera design stuff, yes. and I also met you through OCF. Yep. So, since then, the rest is history. The rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you say there are any differences, differences between being a leader in all these different clubs, organizations? Yeah, how do they differ? Yeah, general? there's
1: definitely differences. You could think of it like a nice sort of Venn diagram, if you want to, in <laughs> a way you know <laughs> okay. you, you imagine you' been in one circle was like one one has one organization you've done leadership in and, yeah, and then another one in another mm. circle, so you can mm-hmm. think of like you were newfo and like o c f and like malam and whatever there's common there's going to be common themes amongst all of them, so stuff like interacting with people stuff like you know decision making like kind of balancing of balancing of priorities and stuff, but they're also also subtle differences i guess in terms of like who you're working with will determine how you interact with them and like what kind of approach you're going for depending on what what the overall arch overarching goal is and stuff like that it's quite i mean it's not really something i put too much thought into example Mm -hmm. it just kind of
0: comes naturally it just
1: came well yeah it just came naturally out of the way i interacted with people like like if i was talking if i was like in my un youth role and i was talking to like an organising committee organising this event for with like, for like 100, 100 high school kids and we have to organise all this like educational material about trafficking and the Rohingya Crisis and yeah. Myanmar and stuff. Yeah. But why I talk to them and like the kind of like the approach is going to be slightly different to like organising an Easter camp for the Overseas mm. Christian Fellowship mm-hmm. and and like organising like a music practice and stuff and right. like so there's a, so there's differences in that way and like, and like so I've kind of like kind of learned to like Kind of having a bit of intuition when it comes to the way I phrase my words and like the way I talk to people, right. and the kind of right. approach. Otherwise, like if you go, if, otherwise if you don't have that kind of flexibility, you can, you can find yourself a bit close-minded in mm. a way which mm-hmm. you can't really Definitely. do when you're having yeah. when you deal when you're like dealing with such a diverse group of people, and right. your different right. roles and stuff. So, there's that. There's those differences for sure. Otherwise, otherwise I guess the. <laughs> I shouldn't say formula. I I guess like the well, fundamentals still remain the same though. Like the fundamentals in terms of like, you know, being a good listener, decision making, um, kind of like leading by example, like, you know, having having good communication amongst the people right people you're working with and stuff, but all those important things still remain the same. Yeah.
0: Okay. It's cool. I think that's a nice segue into us talking about growing up as asian immigrant kids in new zealand because you were born and raised here correct i only came to new zealand from malaysia for high school so when i was around 13 years old Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i think we can both bring some very interesting perspectives to this topic so i'll let you begin your story first so my
1: story so as Magdalene said i was born and raised here so Mm -hmm. um well i have i guess I'll i'll start with my parents so my parents like they grew up and they got married in Korea, and from Busan, which they were from, they um, they immigrated to New Zealand. They spent a year in Auckland, where my older sister was born, and then after that, they flew down to Dunedin, or actually, they road trip down to Dunedin. Actually, Ooh, okay, road trip down to Dunedin because they wanted to study at the University of Otago.
0: Right,
1: actually, okay. so both of my parents studied at Otago, and they had me as well.
0: I actually don't even know the story. Well, yeah.
1: Continue, continue. So, it's the classic story where, like, the qualifications you get overseas are not accepted in, like, another country's institutions. Really, to a, so it's a, much, yeah. It's a common story for a lot of immigrants. Like, yeah. you might... Like, your parents might have, like, a PhD yeah. in physics or something, but it's not accepted exactly. in another country, so they have to become, like, a taxi driver.
0: My parents have the exact same story. Yeah,
1: so... So, my parents, they decided to, um... Just get new qualifications instead. Right. So, although like I'm not sure to what level their their qualifications were accepted in New Zealand, but it wasn't completely unaccepted because. Okay. Because my mom had a computing degree and my dad had a microbiology degree.
0: I and, did not know your mom had a computing degree. And so my mom
1: was able to, my mom was able to um do a Bachelor of Arts in teaching college. Right.
0: Okay. Along
1: with along with Japanese, and so she she was able to become. A high school Japanese and computing teacher. Mm-hmm. Once she finished, and my dad was able to pursue a master's Dang. in microbiology. Nice. So it wasn't nice. so that wasn't completely unacceptable. They they didn't have the right qualifications for okay. what they wanted to do in New Zealand. So while while doing all that, they were raising both my older sister and I at the same time, mm. which is, I think is absolutely insane. I don't yep. like right now, like us being students, I can't imagine having to raise a family <laughs> at the same time.
0: Yeah. It's, it's
1: actually unbelie- unbelievable what they did.
0: Our parents sacrifice a lot.
1: So much, so much, just just for what they think is a better life here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, so I was born in Dunedin, mm-hmm. and I've lived here my entire life except, except for five years from the ages of 8 to 12, so 8, 19, 11, 12, five years where I lived in a small town around an Alva's drive, drive south of here called Berkloofa. And that we, we lived down there temporarily for my mum's work. Yeah, but I, guess, I guess I've lived here for a long time, which puts me in a relatively interesting position working with so many different like international students, I guess, where a lot of the people who I'm friends with, a lot of the people who I live with even, a lot of people I interact with day to day these days are like international students. So similar to you, they come from, overseas to New Zealand for education some come for high school some come for Mm -hmm. just university and they've only spent like a few years in New Zealand there really is that contrast and difference when I'm like oh yeah I spent like close to 20 years in New Zealand and they're like oh I've been here for three and it's just like (laughs) wow like so i hearing their stories about what life is I'll use Malaysians for an example like what life is (laughs) like in like KL like like having like Bobo on the street side or like going to Mama <laughs> or, like Mama's or like the late night stores or like, it's always fascinating just seeing how different it is to life down here and like, their reasons for coming here as well and like, what they want to do and what they want to pursue and like, yeah, it's all fasc- It's all fascinating and, uh, I really do enjoy, like talking with my friends and having that kind of conversation
0: nice did you experience any identity issues growing up like an asian identity crisis definitely
1: it was pretty bad to be honest (laughs) well not bad but like it was pretty significant to Mm -hmm. be honest like so i'm korean i haven't i haven't mentioned that once yet (laughs) so I'm, i'm korean but like when i was when i was growing up young and like when I was growing up in the dunedin primary school, I was like one of two Koreans there, and like, and we're like the definite minority, so like,
0: were there any other Asians?
1: Um, very few Chinese kids and stuff. Like, right. but we were definitely the minority, and we all got bullied as well.
0: Right, all of us okay. got.
1: Like, it was just that It was just like yeah, we just, you just like became used to it. It's like oh yeah, we're gonna get bullied. Or like, Do you
0: remember how you guys got bullied?
1: Racially. So it's just pretty... It's just like the... Right? Like the classic ignorant racist stuff like Ching Chung or the, right. it was like, oh, like, oh, you from North Korea? Or like, you <laughs> know, that kind of... Dance. That kind of thing. Okay. Just grew up with it and so yeah. like, there was a time where it just like got... Well, I was really sick of it to be mm-hmm. honest and so, for a long time, I didn't really like being Korean. Like, right. I didn't like the fact that I was different from everyone else.
0: Right.
1: You're, I mean, it's a fairly common story like for immigrants, like, like, I didn't want to be... Korean, I didn't want to have like Like the skin color. I didn't want to have this accent that I had somehow at the time <laughs> And so like I tried really hard to be normal and what right. being normal meant at the time was just being Like everyone else like all the kiwis, So like, yeah. like having like potato chips instead of kimchi <laughs> and like watching MTV or like and just speaking English instead of speaking Korean. Yeah, and so when I was growing up, I didn't I I didn't learn Korean properly at all. So like I grew up without being able to talk with my family properly, or being able uh, to talk to my mum and dad properly okay. because their Korean is so much better than their English, right? And right. even though they can communicate in English, like there's that level and that depth of relationship that you can only get by talking with them
0: and, so would, and would you say that you, you guys kind of spoke Conglish? Konglish? Konglish, for hell?
1: sure. A mix of Korean and English. Right. For the time, when I was younger, I spoke purely in English. Mm, okay. So it wasn't even Konglish back then. It's only <laughs> it's only become Konglish as I put more effort into yeah. trying to learn the Korean language as I've grown up. And yeah, so I I was like this for a long time, actually. Like, well, in, well, well, well into high school. Right. And it wasn't until like... I, t- I, I went on a couple of family holidays with my f- with my family to Korea and stuff mm-hmm. to visit our extended family who were All still in Korea and I realized I couldn't really talk with them properly Like it was really hard for me to communicate with them My Korean was terrible mm-hmm. but I had no English at all and like so I couldn't really get close to my fat to my extended family. I couldn't really talk to him properly. now I, I was actually quite sad about that. Yeah. And I realized how how bad that was actually so like but it wasn't until, yeah, so it was like kind of from high school, but more, more, more so in uni that I've started trying harder to like embrace my Korean identity more, like learn more, more of the language and like more of the culture and stuff. But I found that like I've had difficulties with embracing my Korean culture side as well. Mm-hmm. Like just being born and raised in like a predominantly like Caucasian environment has yeah. influenced me in ways as well. Mm and influenced what I find comfortable and not comfortable and stuff. And there's times where I've struggled to interact with other Koreans a lot, like, struggle to, struggled to, like, develop, like, strong friendships with other Koreans just because of, like... Not because they're bad people or anything, like, totally to the contrary. It's more, like, just...
0: The vibes. Like, a,
1: just, like, almost, like, a natural barrier that I couldn't right. get across, like, mm. where... This is especially the case in uni- once I got into university, so, like when I started uni I was studying law and politics and I was living at home and stuff where the Koreans I encountered at uni were all like from Auckland or Christchurch or something they're all like doing health sciences <laughs> degree and they're like yeah. we're all living in like university accommodation they could like have their own insular, insular right. Korean mini communities within <laughs> within even and so it, it naturally led me to feeling quite a bit left up when I was trying to like kind of break into those korean groups for us for for a bit so i ended up feeling quite isolated from my own from my own cultural group in this in in an extent so i guess that was one of the bigger reasons i like kind of reached out more reached out more to like i know like to try different things like you and youth like ocf yeah ocf was a big one and like yeah why one of the reasons why i've come to like find almost a home to an extent with the malaysian community you know. The Malaysian community is a one that's really multicultural mm. and you know, but mm-hmm. what like and a lot of Malaysians like grow up like having interacting with like Different Like cultures, Chinese yeah. Indians yeah. Malays like all those groups and like, you know They're quite well aware of like mm. the difficulties that can come with it sometimes and so that's something I really appreciate as or something I feel and I think That kind of awareness does help make me feel a bit more welcome as well when I'm with you guys as all sorry I've, I've no, it's ranted a lot That's l- fine
0: I love it I love it I like how you you touched on the difficulties you experienced um, growing up in a Caucasian environment but then also you have you sort of have had the same struggle in your own within your own Korean community yeah, as well so that was really interesting yeah
1: it's 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 to this point where you, you're like too it's like where I feel like I'm too Korean mm. to f- to completely fit into New Zealand society <laughs> but I'm also too whitewashed in the right. way too too cool like i'm too kiwi to fit into like a completely korean environment so like it's just like this sort of limbo in the middle and so when you're talking about like identity like cultural identity struggles like i i think there won't be a time where i struggle to like find a place where i truly belong to be honest it's more just trying to like just go all along and see where i go i guess rather than finding like a place where i feel like i belong
0: nice it's mm. like the third culture kid issue where we we don't feel like we belong anywhere we don't feel like we belong in the western country we grew up in mm. but then when we go back to our own home country we don't feel like we belong there either. do you
1: feel this do you feel like that's like i mean i mean you did spend a lot of your adolescence yeah. here as well so like
0: maybe i should begin my story then Please, okay. please so for me i i was born in malaysia mm. i i did grow up in malaysia as well But when I was around 15 months old, my whole family moved to the UK. So I actually spent the really early formative years of my life growing up in the UK. That's where I learned English. English was also my first language. Um, Yeah, I just... That's when I really started to form an awareness of the world around me. And then when I was around five years old, we moved back to Malaysia again. Mm. And I had a culture shock. Mm-hmm. I had a culture shock because I was just so used to growing up in this Western environment and then suddenly I come back to To Malaysia and I'm just not used to everything around me mm-hmm. I speak with a British accent even though I look Malaysian and mm-hmm. Chinese, but I don't I don't sound that way mm-hmm. I don't act that way. Yeah, so it was really hard for me to fit in back mm-hmm. in Malaysia Definitely. And I couldn't really speak Chinese either. So even though I went to a Chinese school, I did learn Chinese um, but I would usually hang out with the kids that spoke in English mm. <laughs> just trying to like find my find my little gang who we just the kids who spoke in English yeah so yeah and then the other kids would call me a foreigner which felt really bad because mm. I'm literally in my home country yeah and I'm Malaysian but it's just that I don't I'm just not like them mm. and so they called me a foreigner and that did really hurt and yeah, yeah that did kind of like cause me to have some some sort of like questioning my identity sorts of issues Yeah. but it wasn't too big of an issue back then because I was still in primary and yeah, 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 yeah. I had other stuff on my mind hmm. and then I got to New Zealand when I was 12 years old for high school year 9 um, again I had a culture shock
1: Yeah.
0: and I thought I I, th- I thought I wouldn't have a culture shock honestly because mm. it's not like I'm completely not used to this kind of Western environment because I did grow up in the UK after all mm. but I still had a culture shock yeah um, people couldn't understand me because I had a Malaysian accent now <laughs> so I kind of had to shift my shift my accent into like 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 a like a fake Western accent but then again it's not fake because I like I had it in me buried somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. like nowadays when Yeah, nowadays people say that my accent is a blend of different things. It really is a blend. (laughs) They can hear the British accent in me. They can sometimes hear the Malaysian accent, sometimes Kiwi accent. So yeah, I guess I'll just embrace that that part of myself. It's what makes me who I am. It's
1: it's unique.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, back to growing up um, in New Zealand as a high school kid, I found it hard to fit in. Mm-hmm. People saw me as an international student, and my school was mainly Caucasian. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I was Christchurch. I went to Christchurch Girls High School. Yeah. So there weren't that many Asian people. Mm-hmm. But when I eventually found my group of Asian friends to hang out with, that's when I really felt like I could connect with them. Yeah. And another thing that really helped me with this whole identity issue growing up in New Zealand was discovering the world of K-pop <laughs> in Korean drama. Because back when I was in Malaysia, that's when the Korean wave really kicked off, yeah. like around 2008, 2009-ish. Yeah. We were like watching Boys Over Flowers, You're Beautiful, all those like hit Korean dramas. So yeah, 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 yeah. that's when that, that interest really began. Mm-hmm. And then when I came to New Zealand, that's when this interest intensified. Mm-hmm. I started getting into K pop. I was listening to Big Bang, Super Junior, VAP, oh, all that good stuff. Oh,
1: that's <laughs> so nostalgic.
0: Yeah, and it's because I I felt like this was a community that I could really belong to. I felt like I could finally be proud of my Asian heritage. Yeah. And even though they're Koreans, they're not Chinese like me, but it's still like the fact that they were being acknowledged, the mm. fact that Koreans were being acknowledged and recognized for their work and everything and celebrated, that was really empowering Mm. to me. But then because they were Koreans, like, because there was all this hype about Koreans in general, I feel like a lot of Asians at the time, me included, we sort of created this whole, like, Koreans are the ideal Asian. Really? Yes. Is that news to you. That's, oh. Dude, that's a thing. That's a thing, you know? It's to the point where like Chinese are, well, okay, I'll I'll speak for myself. So I, I didn't feel exactly proud that I was Chinese or Malaysian. I didn't think it was cool. I thought that like being a Korean was so cool, mainly because of how media portrayed everything. Wow. Do you not know this?
1: I mean, I knew it <laughs> to an extent because of like how <laughs> how like how popular K-pop yeah. had become and like yeah. how much how much like K-drama stuff was mm-hmm. out there, but like mm-hmm. so I knew it to a certain extent.
0: It had a like a really strong impact on the whole of Asia.
1: I think it still does. Yeah. I think it still does but I, th- I guess I've just been somewhat ignorant to, uh, <laughs> until now. I guess wow. the pr- I guess the privilege of being Korean yeah. myself like, it's not yeah. really something I think about too much to be honest. I've, I like I'm kind of the, like I'm kind of the opposite or like because I've I've got I've like, had my struggles with like trying right. to get close to the Korean community There's like times where I wish I was like I wish I wasn't Korean, to be honest, like mm-hmm. where sometimes I oh, I wish I was like Chinese, Japanese, like I literally, <laughs> literally, oh literally, goodness. literally anything, literally oh any God. other ethnicity, but Korean. There's
0: so many layers in this whole identity thing anyways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, going back to my, to my whole like hype about Koreans and everything, yeah. as I grew older, I realized, I realized how unhealthy it is. And I realized that I, I should be proud of her. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm Chinese. I'm a Chinese person from Malaysia. I'm Malaysian mm-hmm. Chinese. Mm-hmm. That's unique. Mm -hmm. um it's it wasn't very common to find a Malaysian Chinese in Christchurch either back then so I I guess I started to explore my culture a bit more I wanted to reconnect a bit more I started exploring like k no sorry not k c dramas Mm -hmm. c Mm -hmm. dramas I started listening to mando pop and I was really like vibing with the whole thing so I would say towards the end of my high school years yeah like my 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 Korean phase was kind of over and i was more embracing the fact that i was Malaysian Chinese mm-hmm. and kind of getting that like that sense of patriotism towards malaysia
1: yeah
0: yeah so that's my high school story of growing up asian in new zealand now as i enter university i told myself that cuz i'm an introvert you know that I'm mm-hmm, an introvert mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I told myself that I I wanted to be more social mm. so that I could meet new people just grow as a person in university yeah. and I liked how I could just start afresh in university just yeah. have a blank slate essentially because yeah. people didn't know me they didn't know how I was like in high school so I could just be however I wanted to be like in university and
1: that's interesting
0: <laughs> why is that
1: interesting? because I didn't have that luxury ah, right, being right, from it right. yeah
0: I mean, I had it
1: to somewhat of an extent, like, I had it somewhat, but, like, there were still, being in Dunedin, growing up in Dunedin, there were, like, people in uni that knew me since high school, since primary school, even, (laughs) so, like, so Mm. it wasn't, I mean, it's a minor detail, because I still basically did start with a clean slate. Yeah. Like, I I really did, like, change myself Mm -hmm. a bit since high school, but, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was just an interesting point, so.
0: Right. Okay. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, having a blank slate in university. Yes. So I had a blank slate in university. I, yeah, like for some reason I felt like I was such a a social butterfly in my first week of uni, especially all week. And just living in the whole college accommodation Mm. environment, it really, it really like forces you to interact with people, Mm. mingle with people. And I really enjoyed it. And I felt like, I was finally able to find people who are so similar to me. That's so true. And I felt like I found my community. So
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I, I felt like I really grew a lot in my university years. Mm. I'm still growing. Really um, appreciated and embraced all the new experiences that yeah. have come my way. Mm. I just like pushing myself out of my comfort zone and trying new things. Because it makes life so interesting. And you never That's... know like just what might happen. Yeah, you never
1: know. Right? Could almost start doing a podcast. <laughs>
0: <for some> <laughs> <point>. <laughs> nice one, nice one. Anyways, let me ask you. So, what is identity to you?
1: What is identity? To- oh my goodness, seasons
0: <laughs> Yeah, you, yep, you didn't see that coming, did you?
1: I did not. Um, <laughs> identity to me. Yet.
0: Don't worry, I'll be answering that as well.
1: Oh man, you you were really picked the hard <laughs> questions
0: <laughs> Should then. I should I answer it first? Please. Okay. Give me some chance
1: to think about it. Yeah,
0: sure thing. So for me, I realized that. I can't let my identity be influenced by the people around me, by what other people think of me. Mm. Because by society standards, I'm not exactly an Asian Kiwi, and I'm also not exactly Malaysian, like fully Malaysian either. So I've decided that my identity is up to myself to determine. I still relate a lot to my Malaysian side and can be very Malaysian, can just like lash out my full Malaysian accent anytime. So I'm not going to let it bother me if other Malaysians don't think I'm Malaysian enough. Mm. and similarly I also do relate a lot to my New Zealand side as well because this is practically where I grew up as a person I may mm. not relate as much to other Asian Kiwis growing up here but that's okay because it's up to me to determine my identity so yeah that's my that's my answer to what oh, is identity That's not to fear, you.
1: that's such a good answer <laughs> I reg- that's like an o- you probably like spent out like yeah. maybe like an hour or two thinking about them like yes, you just I- put me on the spot
0: sorry i yeah i did think about my answer it is really
1: it It really is what you make of it right but it's like i mean i mean who you are it is like you know based on what you value and like who's Mm -hmm. around you and what what do. and things. i I do like you know i do like how you say it's like up to you to decide and Mm -hmm. um because it really is up to you to you know decide if you want to, like, be like these people, if you want to try, you know, diff- Try reach out your comfort zone, if you want to, you know, try and, like, kind of, like, stay safe and stuff, I yeah. guess. I guess, at the en- I guess at the end of the day, your identity is... I don't want to say it's what you make of it, because that sounds like a really cop-out answer. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just, like, one of those, like one of those like um what you call it like those like those end ending sound bites it's like oh, that's what you make of it it is what it is dude and but that it's was like...
0: literally my answer though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's what i make of it well like a big it, it, it really is what you make of it though isn't <laughs> it? It's the thing.
0: you love contradicting yourself
1: oh life is full of contradictions <laughs> life really is full of contradictions but no, yeah i mean it, it, it does make you who you are but it doesn't yeah. It makes, you know, uh, your identity, like, it, it makes you who you are, but that it doesn't define you.
0: hmm Nice. Love that. Yep. Love that. Amen into that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah i think that's a nice place to wrap up this little episode no not a little. i think we've been talking for like 50 minutes now but yeah thank you so much for being so open so honest so no. vulnerable on this podcast no episode. thank
1: you very much i've had a great time here <laughs> i really yeah. enjoyed it thank
0: you do you have any advice to anyone wanting to get more involved in advocacy
1: i guess my advice is to just do oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Well, I guess it just really, just...
0: Were you going to say the Nike quote there?
1: Just do it. <laughs> oh, I hope we don't get trade for <laughs> or anything. No. I think, I think if there's one thing you can live by, one thing you can have a little bit more of in life is audacity. Mmm! Audacity, nice. I think. You know, if you think, if you think, oh, no, nah, those people were, like, too cool for me, or, like, oh, man, like, those Koreans are, like, way too cool for me. I was like, oh, those people, like, debating on the, debating floor at Model UN's are, like they're like so good at public speaking like I can't do that then nah you can yes you can it's just about having the audacity to try and to take that first step in the first place so I guess I guess in short my advice is to have a little more audacity just a little bit each day just just one just one more thing (laughs) one thing at a time and then you'll you'll see it build and build and build like you have for yourself.
0: Okay, thank you. Man, I love it. But yeah, thank you so much for being on this episode, Jahoon. And thank you so much to you for listening to my very first official episode of Spartan Sparks.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: (laughs) See you in the next one. Bye.